throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared Joe and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fist of cuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got your missing wave, feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eighth, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and weave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing. Counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry, it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats. Relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Welcome to Throwing Jabs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. I am Joe McGuire, along with Jared Jones. Not going to be a super long show. I actually thought there was, I, I thought, honestly, that Lopez and Cambasos was next week. I didn't realize it was on the short week, so no Jace Garcia, unfortunately, today. But that just means more realistic expectations. <laughs> I joke because I love your ear to the ground, though. Brother. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into uh, last week's fights. Uh, Ketlin Vieira, unanimous decision victory against Misha Tate. This one was close. This one was uh, not exactly the most of inspiring of fights of, of that evening, e- e- even. Uh, I thought Misha Tate was going to pull out a win because she's Misha Tate. And I figured that's just the way it would go. But Catlin Vieira definitely fought a better fight. And I don't know if I love 49-46, especially when with some of the scoring we've seen of late. But Vieira definitely beat Tate, who, I don't know, just didn't didn't look as ferocious as she did against uh, Renault uh, a few months ago. Oh, was her opposition. That was definitely her opposition. Now, last week, I said this was going to look like Rodriguez Dern. And if you think about those two fights, the distancing that Vieira used to beat Tate and the distancing Rodriguez used, I think the biggest difference between Rodriguez and Vieira is Rodriguez knows how good she is. She goes out there and gets it done and utilizes every skill she has to dominate, to pressure. She wants to go win fights. I think this girl could have stopped Tate. Um, She doesn't really know how good she is. She's winning the exchanges and staying ahead. And yeah, with the judging, I'm just glad they got the right person, to be perfectly honest. I I don't care what the numbers say. The right person's arm went up. I'm happy with that. Yeah, uh, you know what? I'll take that because we've certainly uh, we've certainly seen enough of those where it doesn't happen. As this fight was going on, I mean, you, you know, you make solid points about Vieira. You know, she definitely um, left a lot on the table. She's you know? something. She did something between Rodriguez and Johnny Walker. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Well, big, listen, big win for Vieira. Uh, I, you know, I'm not sure that that's a huge setback for Tate. At the same time, Rodriguez would stop Tate. Misha doesn't move her head enough. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's but... funny. Leading into the fight, uh, uh, I think that was what Tony actually said, was that 
uh, Tate doesn't move her head enough and that he thought that was going to be problematic. And, well, it, it very well, <laughs> yeah, it turned out to be exactly true. All right. Uh, let's move to the squared circle, if we could, where one Terrence Crawford knocked out Sean Porter in the 10th round, which is what I said was going to happen. Porter would get knocked out in the 10th. I actually put some money on it. Didn't make a ton back, Jared, but that's my guy. But I figured I had to do something about it. Right after the fight, Sean Porter retired, and I loved what he said. He said after he fought Errol Spence, he knew there was something else, and that something else was Bud Crawford. When asked who the best welterweight was, and he's Porter's fought the best, he said, without a doubt, it's Bud Crawford. Um, I love this fight. It was a great fight. You know, I know some people got excited early. Uh, I hate when people say Bud Crawford's a slow starter uh, or, or Lomachenko's a slow starter. Don't, that's not, a slow starter Smart. is somebody who doesn't get out of the gate right away. These guys are very methodical in their approach, and it might look like a slow start in terms of he's not whooping the other guy's butt right out of the gate, but he's doing a lot of work mentally, figuring out what you're going to do so he can come up with the strategy to uh, frustrate you for the next 11. How not to put so, himself in danger and get the job done. Yeah, uh, but this was a this was a great fight. I really like Sean Porter, and I got to tell you, uh, post-fight, Sean Porter's father seemed like he wanted to make some excuses for his son. He took the under with you, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, and I, I had some people way, way in the boxing game that I made that suggestion to that didn't want to comment were... Uh, uh, one of them hadn't thought about that before, but the timing and the manner of the stoppage. It's its not an allegation you want to make publicly all the time, but watch the fight, watch the stoppage, listen to his father. If you were the father of Sean Porter, most of us morally wouldn't have made that wager. But if you did make that wager and you were Sean Porter's father, what kind of advice would you have given him? What would you have done toward the beginning, toward the end of the fight? What kind of fight would you have wanted him to fight? How would you have talked about it afterward? Everything lines up. I'm not shocked if Porter's dad had the under. And I also noticed like uh, that Errol Spence put on seven pounds on his way out of the arena. <laughs> 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 Guy uh, puffed right up to 154 and walked out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now, how many? I gotta say this now. I gotta say it because Bud Crawford, yes, one of the greatest pound for pound fighters on the planet. Do you remember all five of my bold, outrageous predictions when this show started? Yeah. Is it one of them Ortiz is gonna beat Crawford? Is that yes? We're going, yes. we're going there Virgil again. Ortiz is going to be Bud Crawford. Savannah Marshall over Shields. I actually, when Anthony Joshua hadn't yet to be beat by Ruiz, said Yusick was going to beat him. Okay, so there's five out there. They're the pound for pound best, but Terbius better than Canelo. Um, and this is one of them, this Virgil Ortiz Jr. kid. 
beats Bud Crawford if they fight, and he might be the only kid in the division that can do it. I don't know about might. Like that's that's a that's a that's a soft might. I think he's the only person in the division that can legitimately give Crawford because as he takes that time to figure it out, the kid's a buzzsaw. One of them's taking time to figure it out. The one of them's figuring it out on the fly. Lopez and Loma. One of them's going in there and getting the job done and going to figure it out on the fly. And the other one, by the time Loma figured out his math problem and had a solution, he didn't have enough punches or time left to get the job done. And uh, that's what happens with Ortiz Jr. versus Crawford. I don't think either one of them gets stopped, but I think Crawford comes on late and doesn't do enough to get the job done. And that's the fight I want to see. If you don't want to see that fight, you're not paying attention. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sean Porter said he's fought Southpaw's orthodox fighters, power punchers, and slick technicians. Just never all... in the same night. Uh, and I think that that really does say it all. Obviously, look, I, I think we all want to see uh, Bud Crawford and Errol Spence. That's probably not going to happen. It seems like Spence still isn't interested in this fight. Yeah, which I, I, I don't understand. For the life of me, I don't know that I understand that. And f- for the life of me, too, I still can't understand why Terrence Crawford is not the biggest name in this sport. This is like the anti-Mike Tyson, the the anti-John Jones. This is a guy who's a a, a good husband and father, Omaha guy, uh, a lefty, undefeated, wants to fight big names. Uh, you know, Bud is is his in-ring persona. Terrence Crawford is is not a trash talker. He's a respectful guy. He's a smart guy, and for some reason. Jake Paul is the face of boxing. Somebody explain that to me. Somebody explain to me how you have some guy from middle America who's perfect, undefeated, and it's Jake Paul. I don't know. I don't know. Well, well, it's... it's. I struggle with that, Jared. What could it be? It's the same thing I kept keep telling my daughter who's writing music and writing songs and telling her that You've got to figure out what you're writing about. Are you writing to get your emotions out onto paper and just for a personal release? Or are you trying to get other people? Because if you want other people, you need relatability. You're going to have to be relatable. Anytime you can use a celebrity's name that everybody's heard of or, or some situation that just happened, the things that are trending, so to speak, relatable if somebody gets in there oh i heard of that you know oh i I know what she's talking about makes them feel involved and that's what jake paul did and that's what scrub scraps does at the end of the day makes us feel involved and that's the difference is sean porter that's not relatable i'm i'm a boxer and that's not relatable to me sean porter doesn't feel relatable to me in it in a whole bunch of different ways there's a couple ways he does but it's character stuff and i'll find ways with any human beings that we have stuff in common i want it to be relatable and with jake paul people think oh man if i really set my mind to it i could do that and he kind of makes them believe that and they're inspired by that and i'm not 
saying Jake Paul is inspiring. <laughs> but at the end of the day. Good. I'm glad you uh, clarified yeah, yeah, that yeah. in case anyone assumed that's what you were doing. <laughs> Anyways, um, whether Crawford Spence happens or not uh, remains to be seen. But, I, I mean, I do think right now that's that's the fight at, at welterweight that we want to see. And, and I... I, I don't think we're going to see it. Obviously, Crawford are free agent now. He's out from the grips of Bob Arum. He was asked if he might go back to Bob Arum and more or less said he couldn't promote me before. Why would I? Let's not. How, what's changed? So that's yeah, yeah. not going to happen. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what, what he does. But I'm not optimistic about uh, Spence jumping in on this anytime soon. And, and I don't blame him. It, you know, obviously having a loss on your record is, uh, you know, devastating in this sport. It means no one will like you. It means that you can't ever box again. And so, you know, you got to keep that zero super. You know, it's funny. The, 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 the guy who's considered the number one pound for pound guy in the world has a loss and two draws on his record. Canelo Alvarez. Hmm. That's the number one pound-for-pound pound guy on almost every list. With a loss and two draws, you can still be that. A, a loss doesn't – a loss means you fought somebody really good. Yeah. Well, unless you're Anthony Joshua. But a loss usually means you fought somebody good, and he got the upper hand. You know? That's – that's yeah. and it's okay. It really is okay. So maybe someday – well, let me ask you this. What do you think happens first? Crawford, Spence, or, or your super fight with Crawford and, and, and Ortiz? I don't think Spence will fight Crawford. Ever. I, don't, I, don't, I do not think Spence will fight Crawford. I don't think he'll do it. I think he gained seven pounds on his way out of the auditorium, uh, out of the arena. He left the stadium and hit 154 before he was in his car. <laughs> I don't blame him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to fight him either. Uh, if if we're just being honest here, like that's the guy you want to dodge. All right, um, we're not going to do a who you got this week, only because Jace didn't dream up some fictitious scenario for us to kick around. So we're going to take a real quick break. Uh, we will come back and we will talk about this weekend's huge fight. So Jess, why did you become a realtor? I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes. It's very exciting, so a lot of fun. Now, you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first-time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. Last thing I'm going to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTVB Realty is? People over paychecks do the damn thing. 
And that's what we do. Make sure you uh, check out Jess Rydell. Tell her throwing jabs sent you for some excellent real estate services. All right, let's get into uh, the big fight for tonight. IBF and WBO lightweight champion Teofimo Lopez. Oh, that's tonight? Uh, it is tonight. Uh, I read multiple multiple articles on it. I think my other problem is, Jared, that I have um I have a desk calendar, and I definitely <laughs> definitely don't have the right month up. So whenever I'm looking at the dates, I was been picking out the wrong ones. Uh, anyway, Mine doesn't uh, start till January, so I'm going to be yeah. a little jumbled for the next month or two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, George Cambasos is 28 years old. He's 19 and 0 with 10 knockouts. Uh, this kid uh, has had been uh, up until his retirement. Manny Pacquiao's a sparring partner uh, on and off. Devastating left, really good right cross. This this guy can definitely hit. Obviously, we know a lot about Teofimo Lopez. 16 and 0, 12 knockouts, coming off the big win over Vasily Lomachenko. Um, and immediately decided after that win that Loma would never get a rematch because, you know, why? It's all been yeah. settled in that 7-5 matchup where, where Loma got off to a slow start. But listen, you know, and you know this, I have all the respect in the world for Lopez. It's the rest of this, um, it's the rest of these goofballs, uh, his, his compadres like uh, Tank Davis, who I don't care for, this guy... Uh, is is fast track to he wants to fight the best of the best. He wants to be in there with the big names. He certainly got the speed and he certainly got the power uh, to be a really good fighter. This one doesn't necessarily inspire me, um, but I think this is this is for right now probably the best you're gonna get. Uh, again, these guys don't have any intention of of facing off against each other, and 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 since they all sort of fall in the Mayweather tree, you you have to assume the the game plan for all of these guys is to wait until everyone's really old, or catch them too young. Yeah, get them young or get them old, right, Chris? You know how that works, bud. <laughs> um. Kwamal Bala, the juggernaut, Kwamal Bala. So I have a point here about uh, your boy, uh, uh, George Costanza. George Costanza has split decision wins over Lee Selby and Mickey Bay. Good fighters. No disrespect there, Lee Selby and Mickey Bay, but they're split decisions. So his best dominant performance was against Kwame Bala. It's not uh, a really impressive resume no. as you look it over. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of names from these 19 fights that you'll no recognize. Lomas. There's no Lomas, no Lomas on that list. No <laughs> Lomas. No Lomas. Uh, yeah. J.R. Magbu is on that list. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I yeah. saw Magbo. Okay. Finished All off right. in the second. Jose Ferrero was knocked out in the first. Set the fun. Cry set the fun. He knocked out. He sure did. Yeah. Good he put finish. it. He put it to that guy. He'd only been knocked out twice before. 
And don't forget, in 2019, when he fought former IBF lightweight champion uh, Mickey Bay, dropped him in the 10th, uh, and then went on to win a split decision in that fight. Um, yeah, listen, this is a guy who is getting into the ring, I think, with one of the uh, best young fighters in the game right now. Uh, and, and at just 24 years old, I mean, Lopez is off to a rousing start in, in his career. I will say this, um, uh, you know, uh, Tony had suggested maybe, uh, the, the prospect of a showdown with Devin Haney, maybe, maybe that could, could serve as a, as a distraction that this is one of those trap games that we like to talk about on the football shows. Do you think that Combasos honestly has any chance? No. At unseating Teofilo no, Lopez. No, I think he's a smaller guy. I think the chins are such that he sticks it out. It could... The thing about it is that Lopez has dominated at the level that uh, that Costanza's um, <clears throat> having difficulty at. Yeah, I feel like Tony. Tony never takes a side pre-fight. Uh, for him to put no chance up. <laughs> yeah tells me uh yeah uh so heart attack on the way into the <laughs> ring. something like that but otherwise uh costanza probably gets stopped he's never been knocked out before but that's hard to say but he's 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 a smaller guy he'll put on less weight between the weigh-in and the fight and that will make enough of a difference where even a puncher's chance is probably outside of the realm of possibility i'm with tony there's almost absolutely no chance that this guy comes away with a victory so this is really just a just a a, a get busy kind of fight for lopez this is a stay active yeah. this is a stay active kind of a thing until uh we can come up with some some better brand of competition for you Again, and 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 when it comes to you know why is boxing the sport that struggles? I, we addressed that last week. Sanders Sanchez had asked that question. What's the difference? And again, it's you're not getting Combasos Lopez as a as a pay per view in the UFC. That's not going to happen. Only in boxing do they expect you to pay your hard earned money to watch your favorite fighter. Rocky threw it up against some bum. But, but this isn't when I hear this guy's name, I went, is that the guy that fought Selby? Oh, yeah. Good fight. He won. Oh, and Mickey Bay. Okay. Yeah. And then I look him up. All right. Yeah. Lee Selby, Mickey Bay split decision. Those were close, close fights. Oh, he's fighting Lopez. Come what do you on. think of this comment from Tony? I'm not sure when it became normal to take champions titles and not give him a rematch. That seems to be have become the new thing of late. Whether it was whether it was Lopez and Loma, the Stipe fight didn't. I mean, there were they actually not only did they have a a, a a championship there. fight, they had an interim championship fight. There were four different men involved, and none of them was Stipe Miocic. Like that was definitely a weird thing. What is this new thing where a champion who, first of all, a champion who doesn't get knocked out? So I think that's important too. We I mean, if, it. 
We diluted it. It's when we stopped caring. We're conditioned to not care because there's 18 champions in every weight class. So that when a guy loses a belt, it's like, well, what belt was it? Oh, that was the intercontinental interim 260, one and a half pound super heavyweight I like. And nobody cares about that title and nobody cares about the champion. And he won it one fight ago. And who cares? And I'm not saying every championship fight is the same. What I'm saying is when you have those on the lower level, it diminishes the value of everything on the higher level. So sitting champion of what? How many belts did he have? Was it all of them? How many fights did he have them for? Who is there? Is it an IBF rematch? You know what I'm saying? There's so there's 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 no continuity to it. So we don't care. That lost its value when we stopped caring. It'll come back when there's one champion. And he's been the champion for five years. And somebody comes along and beats him. And we demand, because we're the bosses. That's what we forgot in, bo- in boxing, is that we, we, we're writing the paychecks. Is that our dollars and our views and our likes and our shares build these guys' monetary compensation. So we're the boss. We get to pick. And when we demand that and then demand the rematch based on the guy having five years of, uh, of, of solid wins and being a champion, he deserves that rematch. It's, it's, it's difficult to say some champion deserves a rematch. Who are the champions? Give me a list of the champions at every weight class. You're going to have a name list with 100 names on it. You remember that flurry I did with the three different lists? Top 10 moneymakers, top 10 on box rec by the math, top 10 IBF. And there was only one name that cycled onto any two of those lists. The guys making the most money aren't the best fighters and the best fighters aren't the champions or making the most money. None of those three people are the same guy. Triple G was the only one. Everybody else is missing from two lists, but on another one, we stopped caring who the best fighters are because we make the champions somebody else. <laughs> For Ngannou to get rag rolled, a rag dolled by Stipe, and then after the second fight say it's settled is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And I very much agree with that. I mean, again, I I think when you fight a champion and it's a really close fight, and if you've taken his title, I think the champion probably gets first crack at it. I mean, unless there's a legitimate outside number two contender, and again, this could apply to either of the sports, if there's an obvious guy who should get the next crack, I get it, but I don't see where the champion would be completely left out of a four-man negotiation for that belt and he's somehow the fifth guy out on that, that that to me is outrageous. And looked better late. He won rounds. It wasn't like he was thoroughly dominated and outclassed the entire fight. And That's all. I I, that, I mean, I agree. again, the idea that the champion wouldn't, I mean, why there isn't just an automatic rematch clause written into your contract is beyond me at this point. If you're a champion, I mean, why would you even know why you would take that fight? You know, yeah. Nah. All right. Uh, what do you think? I mean, is Lopez end this one early? Is this like a 
this a quick one or that's so hard to say with this kid never been stopped never been down never fought a puncher never fought anybody like lopez so i could i could uh geez uh let me check the over under quick i mean of course it's lopez but again it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see uh and it's hard to do, obviously, when you're talking about a guy who we don't know, you know, or haven't really seen a whole lot of, and there's not a there's not a whole lot of not a whole lot to go off of, which which is what what ultimately makes that tough. Uh I'm gonna just go ahead and say I think this one probably goes uh I'll say about eight. I'm gonna go with eight. Oh, no way. What are you seeing? No way. Um, I see him being thoroughly outclassed and dominated and finished within three or four rounds, or it goes the distance. I don't think he wears on and breaks down. Nope, he's either way out of this guy's class and breaks him early or just dominates him and you get a mercy round in there somewhere. So he's out, out by four. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'll go with that. I'll say he clean cleans his clock early and makes makes short work of the night. That feels right. Yeah, his his last fight before Loma, he did go the distance, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Cambasso's probably don't Tony just say comes out aggressive, probably walks into something. Uh, and, and, and yeah, that, that seems like the most obvious of things. I would love to see a good fight here, but it, 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 it that seems like that's probably not going to happen. This is going to be, this is actually going to be the kind of fight Jace loves. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't got, pick Costanza. Yeah. He would have picked Costanza for sure. I it feel like Combasos comes out of that ring, just comes out of the corner, just swinging just as ferocious as possible. Um, they get into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. This Jace is gonna love this one. Tonight's fight's for Jace. Yeah, yeah. Big up to Jace Costanza for the win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord! All right. Um, so why don't we take a look at your puncher's chance and and really let's turn this into a thing. Oh, this one's easy. This one's easy. Whatever your units are, put all three, all of them on all three fights here. Uh, Gilly, uh, you can guess on that second one. And Fuzazinga Fuzile. I like that first and last one. Um, they're all three winners, though. I uh, had a mishap with Terry Harper, so I feel like I owe you one. Here it is. <laughs> So Gilly, responsibly. Quinn, and Fuzile. Azinga Fuzile. I like that. I like that a lot. See what, you parlay that up? All three of them, yep. Parlay them up, go home a winner. Yeah. Courtesy of Jared Jones. 50 for 50, 20 for 20, whatever. It turns into a, uh, an even money bet with all three. Do you have a flurry for today? I do not. That is all right. 
<laughs> I assume there wasn't one. Let me explain this show for today. This really was, and for anybody who's stuck with us through the show, thank you. Uh, I really did think, I don't know why, uh, and I didn't end up uh, doing the tail of the tape, and I'm super bummed about that. I could swear I saw there was nothing going on this weekend. And because Jace, who is the executive producer of this program, did not put the show together or release the notes until this morning, his bad Thanksgiving, you know how it is. Um, I was up late working on another project. I went to bed very early this morning and I woke up about 10, 15 to Jace won't be here. Do you want to do a show with Jared? <laughs> Always down, obviously. Uh, I had to wash my face. You know, <laughs> I couldn't find my toothbrush, so I feel bad for the microphone right now. But uh, otherwise, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you could. It's <laughs> lethal. All I've been eating mostly the last uh, 18 to 20 hours is pie. Oh. A lot of pie. Pie for lunch, pie for dinner kind of a thing. A late night pie snack. Uh, apple, pumpkin, chocolate cream pie. Start Big a show mix. called Enter the Dragon that you just do first. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, actually, you know what? If, if, indulge me all, everybody, for just a quick second. I would love to. Uh, I'd love to just share one quick thing with you, if I could. And it's this right here. Uh, this is scrubscraps.org backslash membership. Uh, this is where you sign up for Scrub Scraps. You click uh, join now. And uh, it opens up a form and it asks just for like some very simple information like your name, your age, your phone number, your height, your weight, and an email address. That's it. You do it. You'll be contacted. You're in just like that. So uh, well, and part of that uh, little inside information for anybody who's paying attention where uh, we, we we're one step from the go ahead at that shelter to move in and open the gym and start up. And so uh, we're providing the service to the people there, you know, at a homeless shelter. So there's obviously costs associated that they're not able to cover. Um, and so my theory is we open up the program to everybody else when we cover the people that come along with the program and the people on that membership list that were there ahead of time. So, um, yeah, get your name on that membership list. Uh, we'll get, we'll, we're going to get everybody sponsored and everybody in there and get this thing rolling real soon. Scrubscraps.org backslash membership, or you could just go to scrubscraps.org and check out all the really cool stuff that is on there. So that's going to do it for us. That will also serve as our flurry for this week. The flurry is going to be you going over to scrubscraps.org. And uh, again, if you know somebody who could use the services of this program, you know, by all means, or share it with the them. in mental health field or is in psychology. Oh, or therapy oh that's what I mean. Yeah. You know, they don't have to necessarily be the person coach. who needs the help. But yeah, if you know, uh, people Personal in that field, fitness, any of those things that you think you could be helpful with a large group of people that need help or you would be part of the large group of people. And it doesn't matter which uh, yep. no judgments. Like this always says, you come as you are. Yeah, you do. Yeah, oh, and how is the movie coming along? Well, Tony, I got to tell you, 
Uh, it's tough. It's hard. Like oh. Wesley Snipes says, it's hard <laughs> work. <laughs> Making something this pretty look like it's from 1965. Does every so should we should explain that you uh you were an extra in the movie Pep uh that's being filmed in Connecticut and um you were all pimped out in a suit and I was like what is this guy like they did this Jared Coe starring in the film <laughs> they actually came to the upper deck and got me and moved me to ringside to be one of the people right in the front row so. dude that's amazing they were like mm, yeah we need that guy in all the yeah. shots <laughs> right next to the ringside doctor and the judges and stuff. So yeah. Well, that really is very cool exciting. Experience. Uh and and it should uh, be a year uh, and change probably before it comes out, but they just fil- finished the filming for it yesterday. Star my brother cast. My brother hit me up a whole bunch. He was like, you know Willie Pep from Middletown? I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. He's like, I know you know, but and and then would say more stuff about it. He he really loves the story. He's a huge Willie Pep fan and is obviously very excited about this movie. And the best part was you you actually invited me to come along with you. And I couldn't, unfortunately, make it. And I went to the event I had to be at when some one of the guys there looked at me and said, hey, do you know they're making a Willie Pep movie in Connecticut? And I was like, yeah, I know what? Supposed to be there tonight. Here I am with you. Uh, funny story. Uh, while I was there. Um, I heard the guys talking about the fight and really didn't know what was going on. I knew it was his comeback fight. In Florida, I Wikipedia and kind of looked it up and saw Harold McEver. But I walked over to Mike Oliver, who's playing Harold McEver, and told him that he was playing (laughs) Harold McEver. (laughs) No idea. I didn't know the guy's name off the top of my head. Some 1965 guy, Willie Peppy in South Florida. We also had another inherent problem. No spoilers here. But you see, the fight was in South Florida in March of 1965. And the filming was in Hartford in November of 2001. Could take so some acting, we huh? were all cold. <laughs> they were like, all right, everybody pretend you're warm and action. Everybody begrudgingly taking <laughs> their hoodies over to the corner so they're not in the show. So that was that ended up being part of the fun. But wicked, wicked cool experience. I can't wait till it comes out. Well, we're all very much looking forward to that. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Make sure you check us out on Facebook and on Twitter. And you can also go to clovercrestmedia.com backslash throwing jabs podcast. And we will be back next week. We will preview all the fights. We'll uh, uh, review the fights that have happened. We'll do a really super cool who you got next week, something to get the juices flowing. I feel like we need that uh, after this one. Of course, we'll have a, a puncher's chance and a flurry. We appreciate you staying with us for today. For Jared Jones, I'm Joe McGuire. Jace Garcia is back next week. We'll catch you next time on Throwing Jab. Throwing Jab.
throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man, punching in with a puncher's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got your missing wave, feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry, it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats. Relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs.